Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Springboard always puts together a weekly poll and today the simple question we are asking are examination grades, examination scores, examination results a good indication of a school's competence? We wanted to vote pro-exams or anti-exams. Education has become highly competitive and to enter any top grade school you need to get 7 ones, 8 ones, 9 ones, 8 A's 8A stars, and it's often such that the, the grades keep lifted higher and higher. As a result, parents are paying top fees and scrambling to pay their, put their awards in the very best schools because they see it as the best avenue for entering the higher educational institutions they desire. But the question I'm asking tonight is this. Are examination results a good indication of a school's competence? There are two schools of thought. One school, which is the pro-exams school, says examinations remain the fairest, most verifiable and standardized way to assess several thousands of students in different locations around the country. They argue further that given the same curriculum, the students who get the best results or who excel and give a a good account of themselves are simply the best. The second school of thought, the anti-exam school, disagrees and points to several people who failed in exams and went on to become great leaders or entrepreneurs. They argue that in their quest to be seen as a top school, some teachers, parents and schools or even students consistently cheat in exams just to get good grades. This group argues or concludes that examination results do not showcase the moral education, the discipline, spiritual development, and the values that get invested in the child. This is my question. Which school of thought best represents your honest opinion of how to place students in higher education? Are you pro-exams or anti-exams and why? Share your thoughts with us right here on Springboard Virtual University by posting them on my Facebook page or Springboard the Virtual University Facebook page. If you have any thoughts, send them by SMS or by WhatsApp. And the number for WhatsApp is 0244-340-437. And we will share it with the whole world. Later in the program, I'll be talking to somebody who straddles both the corporate world and the educational world. My friend, Dr. Isi Ansa, she's a lecturer at Chelsea University. She's also, also the, um, a corporate CEO, and she understands the demands of industry as well as education. She'll be telling us her opinion about pro-exams or anti-exams. Let me remind you also that on the SMS Academy, we are on day number 19 of our 31-day journey, exploring the 31 secrets of the world's greatest CEOs. It has been intriguing so far, and the lesson for today is very simple. Day number 19, great CEOs find a way to get the best out of different extremes of people. They know that they sometimes get great people, and sometimes they get very difficult people. But they somehow motivated the most difficult members of their team to buy into their vision and deliver. So whether you find yourself with an angel or maybe a Mario Balotelli, you have to bring out the best in them. I'll be asking my guest later in the show, how do you get the best out of difficult people? Later along the line, I'll also tell you why there is a link between public speaking or presentation skills and your leadership or sales success. Well, our program for tonight is number six or number seven in our series called The Leader's Digest. And our simple task is to bring together great leaders from various fields and to distill some thoughts about how they rose to the top and the values that drive their lives, the pillars that hold their lives together or the foundations that lift up their lives. And so far we've had six different leaders, different perspectives and some common threads already running through. But my guest for tonight is the former managing director and now the executive vice chairman of Star Life Assurance Company. They call him Chairman Frank and he's a visiting lecturer at the West African Institute for Insurance or West African Insurance Institute in Banjul, the Gambia. Interestingly, he has a 30-year career in insurance that started as an officer at SIC in 1984. And as they say, he rose through the ranks by dint of hard work all the way to the top. 
In addition to being an award-winning chartered insurer, he has undertaken several international courses in the UK, Switzerland, Germany, South Africa, Nigeria, Guinea, and Rwanda, among others. But the most exciting part for me is that he started his education from proper Saipu. He attended a Kuhupipiasi primary and middle school from where he took his common entrance and moved on to a Buakwa State College. What is the driving force that projected him all the way to the top of his field? What lessons has he learned that can benefit someone in Saito today or anyone starting their career as an insurance underwriter or a beginner in any field? What is his philosophy for winning in life? Find out tonight as my guest Frank Oponyabua joins me in edition number 7 of the Leaders Digest right here on Springboard, your virtual university. Chairman Frank, good evening. Welcome to Springboard. Good evening, uh, Albert. It's uh, a privilege and an honor to be on this show because over the years I have been your student and I think that uh, tonight, uh, uh, at the end of the program, I'll receive my certificate no, for all these years. You graduated in every year. <laughs> <laughs> Chairman Frank, it's a very interesting time we're going to have together. But let me start by asking you your opinion about... Uh, our, we've put out a poll out there. I mean, one school of thought says, hey, education, exams are not a good measure of your abilities. Others say, listen, with hundreds of thousands, sometimes 400,000 students across the country, the fairest way to measure their ability is exams. Let me find out your personal opinion. Are you pro-exams or anti-exams? I, I think I'll go for the middle way, if you allow that. <laughs> we don't, we, we <laughs> don't allow that. <laughs> okay, let's, let's see which one you lean more towards. More towards. Right. I, I will go for the exams. Why? Why? Because I think um, when you are preparing for examinations, it puts you on your toes. And you are tend, you tend, you know, to look a little bit wider. There are certain things that you may, you know, discover that may not necessarily come into the examinations, but they will be of benefit to you at a later stage. So I think if, uh, uh examinations, you know, tend to put us, uh, uh, uh on, in shape and, and on track. Right. I'll be finding out from you how what you learned in exams has benefited you in your distinguished career as an insurer. But let me just, let me just put you on the spot and say that um, the, those who argue against exams say that so where where is the the discipline, the religious upbringing, the values, the sports, the other things, the talents that we inculcate in the students? How does exams capture them? And then they also argue that some schools actually actually cheat in exams, and so or individuals in schools cheat in exams, and there are people who may not have done well in exams, but they blossomed later in life. How do you respond to that argument? I, I think uh, um, there's a fair you know, uh, uh, truth and in the examination cheating. But the point is that, you know, there are people who are, who also want to excel in life later. So they will tend to prepare themselves, you know, adequately for the examinations. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, what you learn during examinations or, you know, preparing towards examinations not, do not necessarily mean that you are pouring them during the examinations time. There are things that, you know, will help you later on in life. Right. We'll talk about the exam of life as you go along. But if you just joined us, this is the debate you're having. Are you pro-exams or anti-exams? And share your thoughts with us on Facebook or share them by posting them on um, by SMS to us, 1422 across networks and the whole world will know. Let me give you the scripture verse for today just so that you can also contribute. And if you want to win yourself a copy of our book, Mentoring for Success, this is your scripture verse. And there are three Bible verses. And because of our debate today, I'm giving you a verse that relates to tests or exams. If you are very good, you should be heading towards some books of the Bible already. So this is your verse. If you know all your three verses, if you know where they are, you must write all three. If you write one or two, you won't get the prize. Mentoring for success is the book on offer. Now, this is, this is the passage. Just post the location on Springboard, the Virtual Investing Facebook page. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, or perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Where can this be found? Tell us where it is found, and you can win yourself a copy of the book, Mentoring for Success. And it goes to the very first person to post it, on our Facebook page, Springboard, the Virtual University. I guess for tonight, Frank Oponyabua, the Vice Chairman of Star Life, 
Assurance Company in our seventh edition of Leaders Digest. He's already shared his thoughts about education and about whether it is pro-exams or anti-exams. He says exams are important because they give you something to keep you on your tools and something to learn the critical things you need for career success. But Frank, you began your career not in the way that one would assume that the top CEO, the top executive should start. I, I particularly like the Saito bit because you talk to people in our travels, you talk to people in Saito and you, you find them feeling that they are handicapped, they are challenged, they can't reach to the very top. Give us a brief walk through your life and very importantly, some of the major turning points and what it took to get you to where you are today. Thank you, Albert. Um, I must say that um, I was born in Accra here at Abusukhain, but then my dad and my mom separated very early. So I was living with my mom in Accra here, and she said that, you know, she couldn't raise a, a boy in Accra here, so he, uh, she sent me to my grandmom in our hometown, that's called Vipiasi. And um, that's where I started my schooling. I must say that it was difficult for me um, uh, in the earlier years because I, I found it very difficult integrating when I my mom shifted me because I happened to be the last born of my mom. And uh, when I was sent there, I initially wasn't going to school. It was one teacher who passed on recently uh, who discovered that instead of me going to school, I was hiding in a building that was uncompleted and he found out that uh, I, I was missing classes, so he came to our house. And he made sure from then that mm. I attend school. And that was the turning point. His, uh, anybody who comes from my hometown would know that man, Teacher Brakun. Wow. That's how we called him. He, he made sure that I, I, I went to school. And right from the start, I must say that, you know, I, when I began uh, um, enjoying school, I became very competitive because I felt that, you know, I should, I should reach the top. And, uh, I remember, you know, I told myself from the beginning that either I should be at the top or I should be among the, the top three in class. So at the elementary school level, you know, from, um, uh, day one, class one up to, um, that, those times, you know, form, form two, that I took my common trans examination and went to Ebuqua State College. Um, I was either first or second or third, you know, over, over those periods. Thanks to Teacher Bracco. Yes. He did, he did a good job, you know, and he really, you know, made sure that I stayed in school. And I thank him so much, although he's dead, but I really thank him. You celebrate him as one of the ten yes. points in your life. Yes. So let me find out two things quickly. What, what made you hide in the building? I, you know, like I mentioned, that I was my mom's last born. You're emotionally displaced? De yes. Yes. I, 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 because, you know, I was the last born. I was being pampered by my mom. And here was I, that taken away, you know, far away from the city and taken into the, um, I'll say that time, you know, a village. And it was difficult, you know, adjusting then. And then what was the source of your motivation? When you found yourself in school, why do you suddenly want to be at the top? For somebody who was running away, what, 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 what suddenly changed uh, seriously I, I i i i don't know whether it's something that was in me but i felt that you know i i i should not be left behind by by everybody so i i started competing that no i mean i i now that i enjoy it i, I should be there right yes are you a naturally competitive person yes right i i don't talk much but within me you know, I uh, one thing that God has given me, I like I like beautiful things, and uh, I, I go for the best. If you had to describe yourself, and I know you're not expecting this, if you had to describe yourself as any animal, which one would typify your nature? Is it the lion? Is it the eagle? Is it the is it the fox? Is it the um, which which animal would which animal comes to mind? Is it the horse? Is it have you ever thought about an animal that? 
carries your characteristics quite but competitive and fierce. Seriously, I haven't done that. I'll give you an assignment. Yes, that's <laughs> that assignment that uh, I'll give it to you later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you submit it, you get a graduation from the Merchant Thank University. you. Thank you. So when three uh, minutes pass, uh, I'm, seven, I'm, I'm the only one who gets to give assignments <laughs> to top CEOs and give them difficult responsibilities. My guest for tonight, Frank Opon, your boy, Vice Chairman of Star Life Assurance. We are talking about his life. He started from Kweu PPRC. He talks about emotional displacement because being the last born and swung all the way to Kweu to start from primary school. He just didn't want to go to school, but somehow one teacher, Braco, held him by the hand, took him to school. He began to enjoy it, and then competition struck. And then from then on, he, he fired until he found himself passing his common entrance to go to Abu School. Let's talk about Abu School. What happened there? At the Bokwa State College also, um, there were two teach- uh, no three teachers that fired me on. One was our geography teacher. She was then the um, the head of the women's section, that is Miss um, uh, Jima. She was she was somebody who always gives assignments and will betide you if you are a man and you are not able to answer her questions in class. I mean, you 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 get it from her. So I made sure that I always read my notes before I go to class. Then also there was one uh, um, our English teacher, uh, our English teacher. Uh, uh, the name has just escaped me. He was also, you know, one who was putting us on our toes in respect of English. And then one great man who took us right from form one up to form five. That is, um, we call him Coach. Right. He was uh, uh, he was the guy. He, he was our mathematics teacher. And he made sure that, you know, even if you don't understand it, he held extra classes for us for free. And, and that's Mr. Ankuma. Right. Yes. So math, yeah. geography, and economics. Yes. Were well, these your favorite subjects? I'll say yes. Right. So there's a link between the, the motivational and the, the teaching style of the teacher and the subjects you love. Yes. Right. So, you, so what did you pursue at um, advanced level? Advanced level, I did um, geography, economics, and then... Um, Economics. But you didn't do the maths. No, I didn't do the, the maths. The maths was troublesome. <laughs> <laughs> maths was troublesome. But at least two out of those three subjects yes. went through up to up to A level. Yes. It just it just tells something about about what you love. Mm. I found out that many people, for instance, found French difficult because of who taught them, mm. and for many such people, they dropped French early and. And, and so they just didn't do it. But, so, but people who loved a particular subject ended up, depending on who taught them, following through all the way to I, the advanced level. Ironically, you know, French was one of my favorite subjects. Right. And I remember the teacher then was uh, Mr. Pano. He was uh, from Togo. So you called him Monsieur Pano? Yes. <laughs> and he, he asked that why, why is it that, you know, I, I, I don't want to take the French, you know, to... Um, at least the O level. And, uh, you know, those times we never had counseling. And, uh, I remember, you know, uh, excuse me to say, I abused him in my head that where am I taking this French, you know, to? I mean, I didn't know what, where I was taking it to. So I, I dropped it. And looking back now, I get the sense. I, that I regret. regret. <laughs> yes. Seriously. Because, uh, even after I've, I've, I've chatted, you know, as a, a chartered insurer. I registered at the uh, Alliance Francais right. to to brush up, you know, but I couldn't I couldn't pursue it. It's right. one of the dreams that that is lost on it, me. It is said that the younger you are, the easier it is to grab a language. That's true, right? But That's for those true. who are listening, it, it probably it's not too late. You can still go to that place that you want to go to and grab some knowledge about the subject or the language that you you wish you had learned earlier. Let's go to your career itself. So you started out. At SIC, as at, at the bottom of the ladder, as they say. Yeah. Walk us through briefly your 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 career as an insurer. I'm looking for those turning point moments that can tell somebody who's an underwriter out there that you can also become CEO. I listened to the story of someone like Mr. Yamsen who said, at his very first interview, he told the panel that he would be chairperson of the company, and that was how you deliver. He told them he'll be chairperson of the company in 20 years. He said it right on this program, or right on the virtual university. He says he had come from his hometown sweating and looking like somebody who was like a fish out of water. And they looked at him and were wondering, how can you even dare to dream that you become CEO of this company or chairman of this company? And guess what? Exactly 20 years after he became chairman of Unilever. So I want to find out from you, when you started out in insurance, did you dream of becoming 
a senior, a top executive in the industry. Seriously, I I never dreamt of that, but I I wanted uh, um, from right from the outset, I wanted to let my character as well as my uh, um, professional competence, you know, bear on my job. So before even I came to SIC, it was my other brother who was who is still in the UK who introduced me into insurance. After I finished the university, before you went into insurance, what yeah. were you doing? Um, after I finished, I finished University of Ghana in 1980. In 1981, uh, uh, I did my service at the Bokwa State College. Then, um, in 80, after, after, after the service, I worked with, um, uh, a, a forwarding and clearing agency in Tema. That's, right. um, Apianion and Sons. So you're working as a clearing agent? Yes. Then you moved into insurance? Yes. Started from the bottom? Yes. Right. Uh, you know, at the, at the time that I, I was, I was working for Apianio and Sons, um, it was, um, a private, a private company. So then when my brother introduced me to, into insurance, I started writing the insurance papers before I even got to SIC. Wow. So, uh, at the time, uh, there was, there is a, a, a Mrs. Uh, British Wood who was then staying with my elder sister. Said that the the, the uh, SIC was advertising for for graduates. So if I was interested, I should I should put in an application and and have it. You know, the first day that I went for the interview, I was in a red trouser, red shirt, no tie. And the good thing for me was that that day I wasn't interviewed. So when you when red shirt, yes. I mean, you would have easily been sent away. Oh yes, <laughs> seriously. I mean, it would have it would have been a disaster, you know, for 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 me then. But the good thing was that I wasn't interviewed that day. And then uh, Auntie B, you know, saw me and he said, "No, Frank, you can't come to an interview." And that's <laughs> so. So fortunately for me, I was asked to come the next day. And then, you know, she showed me how to dress, you right. know, for, for the corporate world. And I, right. I, I'm forever, ever thankful to, to, to her for, for, for giving me that, that tip. It's interesting how 30 years after you still remember the act of kindness by somebody. But you know, these are very important things that we don't learn in school. That's why I will come back to my original argument with you <laughs> and to remind you that beyond the exams, who will tell you how to dress for an interview? Who will tell you not to wear red? Mm. Who will motivate you to believe that? So beyond exams, there are some key things that if nobody brings into your life could really affect your career. Progress. I agree with you perfectly. Absolutely. 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 Yes. So you end up in insurance in SIC. Yeah. And then you're not believing that you can become somebody great. But what happens? What, what are the turning points? Um, I remember at the interview, the then um, deputy managing director, um, he was then Mr. Uh, uh, D.K. Afriye, but now a professor, Professor uh, D.K. Afriye. He had then been the um, head of department for the department that I, I worked with. He mentioned that because I had worked with the uh, forwarding and clearing agency, he needed me at the uh, marine claims section because of the port experience and he felt that I'll be a good a good material in there so i remember uh, the first lesson that he he, he taught me which uh, uh, coincides with uh, my uh, um, my earlier school days at uh, PPRC. there was then a head teacher called um uh, um he, he uh, what is what is his name the name has escaped me he says, sorry right yes he was then the head teacher let me give you this story. You know those days um, when when you uh, 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 were going to school, if you are late, you'll be called and then caned. Right. One afternoon we were late, and then uh, uh, we realized that the, the 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 prefect was writing names for us to be caned. So we ran away, and the headmaster asked the 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 uh, uh, the, the big boys to come and catch us. When we went. He started asking us, you know, what, what, why did we run away? One person said they were running and he was also running some. But the, t the head teacher said something which I never forgot. He said, you don't do things because others are doing it. Right. There should be a reason for you doing that. Right. And I, and I really, you know, took that one into consideration. And when I came to SIC also, uh, um, Professor Free mentioned that you, 
if any file that is given to you, you make sure that you read from page one up to the end of it. And if you don't understand anything, ask so that it will be explained to you. And he was somebody who, when he gives instructions, he will write them down. So that when I pick, when I picked any file that he had worked on, I realized that, you know, it has been consistent and given the technical as well as the practical aspect of the things. And I found it very valuable that I should do things, you know, with meaning. That right. I should understand them before, you know, I, I continue doing that. And it's, it's one of those things that actually helped me in, in, in moving on. Let me, let me, let me come to your three core values. One of the things that we are trying to find out on this program is what are the three pillars? If, I mean, and there are several values you may admire, but if you were pushed to the wall, what would be the three most important ones to you and why? Okay. I'll, I'll list, um, honesty, integrity, and respect for time. Can I call that punctuality? Yes. Right. Honesty, integrity, and punctuality. I, I like making acronyms out of people's people's core values. So yours will be hip. Maybe you can add hip life. <laughs> <laughs> honesty, <laughs> honesty, integrity, and punctuality. Honesty and integrity, they are cousins. So tell, tell me, tell me, why, why these three are important? Why are they important to you? Honesty, because my my I don't know what was going through the mind of my dad. He he mentioned it. I remember he calling us one day, and telling us that he he will try you know uh, um, leaving a legacy for us you know uh, whilst he's alive. But then, granted that if he's not able to to do that, he has given us a name which we should protect. So. In effect, he was telling us that we should be honest in all our dealings. And I recall that while he was, he was alive, he, he, he passed on about nine years ago. Uh, uh, anytime that I visit him, he, he, he will ask so many things and then ask about the work that I, I, I was doing. And if I tell him that, oh, things are moving on, he said, you, Frank, I, I don't have any problem with you because I know that you, you undertake your, your dealings in the, in the truthful manner as, as, I mean, you have been taught. So I picked that one, you know, for my dad, that right. I should protect the name. As even the Bible says that, you know, good name is better right. than, than riches. Right. So that's for honesty and for integrity. What about punctuality? Punctuality, also, I picked the first lesson. Don't tell me, don't tell me it's a king, you know, the headmaster. No, this one, this one, I picked it for my dad. Right. You know, I, t- I told you that my, my dad and my mom separated while I was right. young. Right. So uh, while I was going to secondary school, I was staying with my mom at Koloku. And then my dad was staying in Kokomemle. So one day, uh, he, uh, at the reopening of school, he agreed to pick me up at a certain time. When he, he, when he came, he was, he was, he had had a stint in Germany. So he, he, he never joked with his time. And he came at the right time. I wasn't ready. And to be honest with you, Albert, he, he left and he didn't give me money, you know, to go to school. So, um, when my mom came back from, from, from the market, she scolded me. And then before the next day, you know, she gave me money to go to school. And I, there and then, the I said, no. Stuck. Yes, that I have to be serious with my time. Fast forward to when you became CEO. Yeah. How did these values influence your work? You know, for, for, um, I'll start with, with, with time, respect for time. If you respect if you have respect for time, it means that you put your customers at the front banner of any issues. You meet your timelines, you you respect your colleagues, and 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 when you plan to execute certain 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 programs, you make sure that you know they are executed to the letter uh, within the time frame. And and for me, I mean, it's it's one of the, those things that that are really helped me that if I respect for time and also you know I realized that um, uh, most 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 for most people time is a, a precious resource that people are not able to keep and therefore we tend to waste time so if people are finding difficulty in that why don't you specialize in that so that you become a standout in that area Someone put it very nicely. Said punctuality, it is not subjective. If you are late, you are late. If you are early, you are early. Even if they don't like you, once you are early, they can't deny it. It is 23 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. This is Springboard, your virtual university. If you just joined us, my guest for tonight, Frank Oponyeboa, 
He's the executive vice chairman of Star Life Assurance Company, the former C, former managing director and now executive vice chairman. He's been walking us through some very interesting lessons, telling it like a story, but very, very powerful lessons that I'll be sharing with you in our, our usual Ten Commandments segment at the end of the program. But let me give you some information that would make you, uh, would bring you up to speed with what is happening in the group all the things that we are doing and very importantly i must mention that tuesday will be 100 days to what promises to be the most impactful edition of the springboard roadshow so far springboard 2015 will be different because this year we are blessed to have a wonderful blend of old and new corporate partners who are working with us to reorient 30,000 Ghanaians and take also on the same roadshow 1,000 young entrepreneurs through the preparation of their own business plans. Altogether, we hope to empower a million people in the four northernmost regions of this country, the Brongafo region, the northern region, the upper east region, and the upper west region through an intensive program of media education, community interactions, school programs, and mentoring initiatives. The exciting news is that we are also putting together 100 private partners who just simply believe in the course and are willing to support us every year in cash or in kind. We are convinced that the Springboard Racial Foundation that there is hope for this nation in spite of every challenge that one may see around us. And you and I are the midwives that can birth the new Ghanaian. So if you are considering connecting your brand to the roadshow or want to have more information about how to become a private partner, these are the numbers to call right now. Matthew, call him on 0544 or call Eric on 544 Three one five one six three or three one five one six five. These are the numbers to call to participate in the Springboard Roadshow. If you missed out on any of those numbers, the easy one to remember zero two four nine 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 five five five. I'll take a brief musical break and I'll bring you the new song by No Tribe, launched just today. This evening launched just this evening and I'm going to bring it to you and right after I bring this song to you I'm going to put on the line Dr. Isi Ansar to give us her perspectives about exams or no exams and then I'm also going to bring to you an exciting young lady I met yesterday I was totally dazzled this young lady, we had an interaction with the students of Ghana Christian International High School walking them through how to write a business plan and after two hours this young lady stood on her feet and rattled the 15 key questions starting from defining the business, the mission. She gave us her client's profile, profile of her competitors, and she was starting, she was planning to start a sports academy. Absolutely amazing story. And you won't believe it, she walked us through her cash flow, she walked us through her revenue, her profit projection, and different things about location, about pricing, and it was just amazing. She got a standing ovation. Instantly, she got donations up to about 2,000, just about 2,000 CDs from teachers and witnesses at the place and very importantly I'm going to give her some, a couple of minutes right here on this, the, the virtual university, the program that has CEOs and top ex- executives listening that should be a great reward for this young lady I'm going to be putting on, the, on air in a few minutes, it's all happening right here on your virtual university let me give you a brief summary of what I've been learning from Frank Ponyebua my guest for tonight on Springboard the virtual university my ten commandments from Frank let me give you the first seven, he talked about emotional displacement arising from the the separation of his parents and the reason be, uh, um, it's affecting his desire to go to school. He talked about the fact that after being persuaded by one teacher bracket to go to school, he began to love school and became very competitive, always wanted to be at the front. The third lesson I learned from him is about mentoring and the fact that his maths, geography and economics teacher made him love the subject and he pursued two of them all the way to the advanced level. He mentions that he regretted not pursuing French because he lacked career guidance. The fourth thing he mentioned was that he went for an interview wearing red shirt and red trousers, and if he had been interviewed that day, he would have lost the job. But thankfully, he was not interviewed, and somebody showed him how to dress, and without dressing well, believe me, you may know all the stuff and have a first class, and you will not get a job. The fifth thing I learned was very subtle but very critical. The fact that he had gone to work in a clearing agency, or or what, what did they call it, in, um, forwarding, clearing and forwarding company in Tema, 
and one would have one would have one would say that maybe he didn't enjoy that one, but somehow that provided a springboard for him to go to the marine department at SIC. The sixth thing I found out is about uniqueness. And he says some people run because somebody else is running and they don't even know why they are running. And so he learned a lesson that whatever you do, you must understand it, you must have a purpose, and you must pursue it. The seventh lesson is about honesty, integrity, and punctuality being the main values of his life. I may want to call them hip, or if I'm tempted, say hip life. But those were the three core values of his life. He says he learned all three from his father. And those three values are the main pillars that hold his life. Very, very importantly, he says that he found them useful at every stage in his career. Right. So these are the thoughts that I've gleaned from Frank Opon Yebua so far in our discussion. Let me see if I can bring you that song from No Tribe. The song is called Osaberima. And if I can bring it to you, let me raise Dr. Isiansa on the line. Dr. Isiansa is the CEO of Axis Human Capital. She is also a lecturer at Ashesi University, the debate we've been having so far is about education and whether we should we should go for exams, pro exams versus anti exams. And it's been raging on Facebook the whole day. Some people say, hey, as for exams, it is non-negotiable. And that was the position of Frank until I convinced him that his red shirt, he didn't learn it from, from, <laughs> from the exam hall. He's still holding on to exams. At least you need to do some exams. But he also agrees that some of the things, it is not from the lecture room. So Frank has a position that some hold that if they had their choice, they'll vote for both. Right. It is 16 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock and a half on the line. Dr. Isi Ansa of Axis Human Capital. Um, Isi, good evening and welcome to Springboard. Good evening, Albert. How are you? I'm very well, and you? I'm doing well, thank you. Right. So this whole debate has been raging the whole day about mm-hmm. whether we should go pro-exams or we should be anti-exams. And let me give you a couple of the thoughts that have been shared. George Aquamorgan says exams, it is true and poor and pass. And so he's pro-exams because that's all that he knew. And maybe one day when the system changes, he will have a different view. Um, when Fred Ofori says he attended a private secondary school and the perception was that he was not a good student, but listen, he managed to rise up and achieve his dreams, so he's anti-exams. So these are just a cross-section of the various thoughts that I share. What are your, what's your own opinion about pro and anti-exams? Mm, okay, thanks. Um, first of all, I think the question doesn't, the answer doesn't lie in a simple black and white, yes, no, good, bad kind of response. Um, exams, for me, are purely functional. You know, you use it to test people's preparedness and to sift through the numbers, because when you have a lot of numbers, you need a seed. Now, um, when you think of exams, try to replace the word examination with evaluation assessment. And when you do, then you realize that it's a necessary, I don't want to call it a necessary evil, but it's very necessary. Now, I would say I'm all for exams, but the type of exam matters. If it's an exam that requires you to memorize, then we have a problem. If it's an exam slash assessment that requires you to think, now that's important because we want to check what you know. We want to assess the abilities that you have. So it has to be, the assessment for me has to be varied. Where there might be a piece where you do a write an essay, depending on the level, research paper, essay, can you create something with your hands? Can you create something that shows how you are applying the knowledge that you have? Um, I teach leadership, and the same reflection pieces, um, drama, research papers, and sit-down you know, exams where you are applying the knowledge to a given scenario. For me, an exam is important because it's functional, like I said, but it's the type of exam. It has to be varied. It can't be questions that ask you, um, so for an HR class, what is the job description? For me, that's useless. But a question that says, you're a manager of so and so company. This is who you need to hire. Create a job description and justify why it's the way you've made it. So, so your argument is that exams are, are critical, but the type of exams is also important because some exams exactly. really don't serve the purpose. Exactly. And if you had your own way, you would change it from exam to evaluation. Um, yes. <laughs> Assessment, evaluation. So 
Critical assessment. Right. Um, if, if you were listening in earlier on, I identified uh-huh. a few points in Frank's submission, Mr. Ponyebo's submission, where I pointed out to him that those lessons may not necessarily reflect in exams. The, the, the lesson about punctuality, the lesson about uniqueness, the lesson about dress code, anacode, ethics, mm-hmm. those are not mm-hmm. things that exams can bring out. So sometimes you may not necessarily get the best students coming out in exams. Would you agree to that subscription? Um, a little bit. So you assess these outside of, you know, an exam. But in an exam, if I give a student a scenario, um, ethical dilemma, and they respond, it tells me where they are. Right. You know, so, so yeah, yes. these things can still be assessed in any kind of, um, you know, an exam or assessment. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Sianza. You've given us some very interesting perspectives. You call it assessment. You call it evaluation. And you're saying that the quality of the exam can bring out all these other values that I'm interested in. Exactly. Right. Have a great evening, Isi. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Right. Right. That is Dr. Sianza, a very good friend of the Springboard the Springboard family, and she's been with us on the road show several times, a very popular speaker, and she's bringing out the perspective that exams are important, but the quality of the exam is even more important because it must be functional. If not, it just serves no purpose. And the critical question we must be asking ourselves, with a thousand students, how can you set the right kind of questions? And so the size of class is definitely going to be an issue if you talk about the quality of exams. But just to give you some of the thoughts that came through earlier on Facebook, Julian Ahmad Plofia says, I know a first class graduate who could not draft an appointment letter. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure my guest for tonight, Frank, will give you several examples in their quest to employ. K. Usu appear also writing on Facebook says, I agree with Juliana. I'm anti-exam because I think along the same lines when it comes to interviews as a basis for recruitment. Abdul Yeskuru says, anti-exams is my stand. Um, Parkwesi Debrafa also goes for anti-exam school of thought because he thinks that when we pass exams, we seem ignorant of the issue we have treated in school. Daniel Kukufoster says, I'm also anti-exams because teachers rush through the syllabus and don't take their time to explain the concept and the practical use of the topic to students. Talking about students, yesterday I met a student who really, really set the whole of the Ghana Christian International High School alight. Her name is Nanaya Sechi Opoku, and I just was honored to meet a young lady who was just so so committed to what she was doing. Nanaya, you welcome to Springboard. Thank you and good evening. Good evening to you. And so yesterday you were telling us about a sports academy, was it? Was it something you had been thinking about already or it was something that you you just dreamt up in the course of the discussion? I had the name and the location but like Everything else was just waiting to come out. Right. And so this was a very intense discussion that involved figures, that involved scenarios. How come you were able to answer those questions on your feet? It was like literally like a radio interview going very fast, and you kept answering the questions one after another. What was the motivation? How did you do it? I, I've been taught in a way to answer questions and interviews for my dad. He works for MTN. So usually when he used to go for interviews and things, he used to give me the questionnaire and teach me how to answer them. And also I've met some people in Christian High, like Juliet Hodo. She's like, I'm kind of her assistant. She helps me to talk to people and all that. So that's how I was able to answer all those questions on my feet. Let me find out from you. So do you do you plan to build that sports academy? Yes. I I plan to build that sports academy and if if, if there's anyone there who would like to form a partnership, I'll call on them to contact the school and then we could move on from there. Really? You're looking for yes. business partners to build a sports academy. How old are you? Yes. I'm 14 years old. One four. Yes. 
crank at 14, did you, did you conceive things like building a business or building a sports academy? Hold on, Nana, I don't go away. It never crossed my mind. It never crossed. And this is a 14-year-old lady. She stood on her feet and we modeled a radio, a radio interview about her business and she was just answering questions about cash flow, about projections, scenarios. So, um, Nanaya, if somebody called you right now and said they have the capital and they want to go into partnership, you will be a business partner at the age of 14. Yes. <laughs> right. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? 10 years from now, I expect to either out have started a different team, but apart from that, I hope to be um, a new a resident neurosurgeon at John Hopkins. And wow. also, I hope to have a PhD in physiology. Wow. Resident neurosurgeon at John Hopkins University, and also you want to have um, a PhD in what? Neurosurgery? Yes, and physiology. And physiology. Yes. May the Lord enable you to do more than you have dreamt. And we wish you the very best. All right. I'm sure her parents would be very proud of her listening to her tonight. That was her, her time in the sunshine. Just giving her some props for an amazing job done yesterday. Frank, I was absolutely impressed with this young lady. Seriously. I mean, she, she needs to be encouraged. Right. Right. It was, it was just heartwarming. And for me, the, the fact that it, it was just like exposing our teen preneurship program to the school. The fact that at age 14... 12, 11, 15, they can dream big dreams and they can be encouraged to step out there and do great things. It's just absolutely fulfilling. We need such for Ghana. Right, right. So I'm going to come to you to give us your closing thoughts. But if you are a CEO out there, if you are a leader out there, one of the critical skills you will need, and Frank will allude or attest to that, is the skill of public speaking and corporate presentation. No matter how good you are at what you do, if you can't present it, you will find yourself short-changed. One of my greatest my my most shocking experiences was to find somebody I knew who was so good at what they did but just could never handle speaking to an audience and one day when he was speaking to an audience he literally almost collapsed but this was somebody who was a top executive in a firm public speaking is a critical skill these are the breakdown of what we'll be treating on the 29th and 30th of October Wednesday and Thursday at the Knowledge Center it's for CEOs public officials, pastors and senior sales executives and managers and this is the curriculum building credibility, stage presence content development planning and preparing your speech using supporting tools like PowerPoint and other other supporting tools, self-confidence and mental mastery, managing your audience, sales and corporate presentation, controlling your space on the stage, and then on the side we'll have practical coaching and mentoring for particular problems we'll identify with CEOs at that level. We'll take them aside to the adjoining rooms and provide some coaching for them. Frank, your thoughts about this, the content and how relevant it is to business de- development? They, they are very, very important in the, in the corporate world. I mean, you... If, if you have all these knowledge and you cannot present them, you cannot pass them on to others, I, I don't think. I, maybe you, you should be charged for hoarding. <laughs> but, but in the course of your work, do you get to be re- required to give speeches, make presentations, address board meetings, address functions? Public speaking, how critical is it to your work? It's, it's very important because even among your, your colleagues, like I mentioned, if, if, if you have the knowledge, you should be able to share so that others others can learn from what you have and when you are called before your your seniors you should be able to convince them that tomorrow if they hand over the the, the company to you you'll be the one you know to carry it forward right beyond where 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 it is now and in, and in your interviews, I know that Star Life in particular, in your interviews, public speaking is one of the things you look out for. You literally put people on the spot to, yes. to rise up and make a presentation. Yes. So okay. if you don't have it, literally, at the, at, the, at the beginning level, you are cut off. Yes. Wow. It's important. So those listening, don't, don't underrate this. Right. It's three minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. As we begin to wind down this program, let me remind you that coming up next is my friend's Pastor Atuakwa and supported by Michaela Anderson and the guests for tonight, Dr. Reverend Dr. Opony Frimpong, the General Secretary of the Christian Council. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me give you the correct one. All right. So my guest, the, the program for tonight is Ebola and spirituality. So we'll be finding out some perspectives on 
Ebola and spirituality. And the guest for tonight, Pastor Tucker, will be hosting Reverend Dr. Pony Frimpong and then Most Reverend Professor Emmanuel Asante. This is a topic that is trending very, very hot, and we need to apprise ourselves with the issues so that we can be relevant and we can also know what the scripture says about these things. Frank, your closing thoughts. I, I, I think that um, those of us who have the privilege of managing companies, we should be able to leave legacies and make sure that others following us should be able to take the companies beyond where we left it. It's very critical that uh, Abed, like when you travel, you see other, other, in other countries that companies were, were started in the 18th century, 17th century, and they are, they are still functioning. Why is it that ours, you know, when somebody starts it, somebody runs it down and it's like a cycle? I, I don't think, I don't think it's, that's proper for, for our country. If you want to salute somebody, I know, I know there's several people who have, have, have invested in your life. If you wanted to salute somebody tonight, who would it be? I will salute Honorable Dr. Kwabner before because from the time that I joined Star Assurance in the year two, 2000 up to date, he's taught me how to do business. That's about 24 years? Yeah, uh, about 14 years. Right. 2000, okay, okay, okay. So where do you see yourself from here? I want to be an entrepreneur or an employer of choice. Right. Frank Apoyebo has been my guest in the edition number seven of Springboard Leaders Digest on Springboard, the virtual university. If you have not as yet signed up for the public speaking course, you have just a few more days to do that, and you don't want to miss out on that. It's just probably about about 10 days more to go, is it? Yes, 10 days more to go. You want to sign up for that course for CEOs and top executives. Just the networking alone is worth your while. The, the price is 950 Ghana CDs for the two-day course, and it comes with a, with a small library on public speaking, audio as well as written materials you can read around the subject. Let me give you a few thoughts that Frank has shared with us. Number one, difficult beginnings always have seeds of greatness. Number two, a teacher can ignite your passion for a subject. Number three, leaders have passion for excellence. And number four, character and professional competence will take you far. He talked about the fact that his three core values are hip, honesty, integrity, and punctuality. Number five, he talks about good counsel. Auntie B showed him what to wear. He had all the degrees, but without knowing what to wear, he would have missed out on his career opportunity. Number six, leaders are unique. They don't follow the crowd. You don't run because people are running. Number seven is to have an eye for detail. Read every report and understand it and be able to deliver. Number eight, he talked about his father being his very first mentor and all the core values that he has were imparted to him by his father. Number nine, he says from his father he learned that a good name is better than riches. And so that has become a hallmark of his life. And the tenth one, he says, respect for time means that you put your client first, you put your colleagues first, and you execute on time on every assignment given to you. I'm sure there's so much more we can grab from Frank Oponyabua, but he's been our guest for edition number seven on Springboard, the virtual university, as we look at Leaders Digest. As I sign off for today on behalf of Comfort, Matthew, Amos, and Ishra, I want to say God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching.